All right. Hello and welcome to the Behind the Man series. Today we are here with Nick Hartmann. Nick, how are you doing? Hey, Nana, I'm good. How are you? Uh, very, very good. Also very tired because I had a long day, but I guess you as well, right? Yeah, for me too. For me too. Uh, a lot of things happened. And yeah, now I'm here having my glass of water. And I'm very happy with that. Nice, nice. Glass of water, always the best. Is that your favorite drink, water? Yeah, I always drink water or I, or I drink uh, green tea. You know, that's the other option for me. Those two, especially in the morning, uh, you know, making a cup of green tea, um, this whole can, and then I take it with me. And, you know, I was actually kind of inspired by you at some time because you made a video about how green tea changes your, you know, your DNA, I guess. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is it like that? Yeah, it is. So uh, basically, uh, I, I wanted to say that uh, some guy made an argument for green tea, so I uh, really like that you do that in the morning. <laughs> yeah, 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 I liked it. And, you know, since then I drink a lot of green tea because I have it all all around here. Um, got it as a present and now, you know, it's getting used, so that's good. Nice, nice. And is there any favorite sort of yours? Because there are like many different ones, right? Oh, I'm not really an expert on this. So I have one. It's like, I think I got it as a present like one and a half years ago. And, you know, that's a special one from from, from Japan, from Japan. But I'm not pretty sure about that, you know, uh, what like it really ganaicha is. Or the, like with the roasted rice inside? No, 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 no roasted rice, I think. Uh, just a normal one. But, um, you know, it wasn't so cheap. So I don't know. Tastes good. And... You know, since I do it with 80 degrees, that's better because I used to do it with whole hundreds, you know, um, just letting the water cook and that wasn't the be best option. So now I enjoy it better. Yeah. Yeah, it depends. Like a um, couple people say because it gets bitter. So I sometimes cook the bitter option like with a little cheaper green tea, just pull in the, the 100 degrees because apparently in our diet that we have today, I'm not an expert on this, so don't quote me, please, uh, at, uh, at no point. But apparently we have too little bitter stuff in our food and in our nutrition, uh, all in all. And it should be better to have that as well. But I don't know if this is true. So um, go find out for yourself. Check your sources. Uh, I'm not the best source for it. I'm just a green tea enthusiast. Yeah. But it's interesting, actually, because I went to Vietnam at some point and they served a lot of green tea and, you know, they left it there for a while. Uh, so it wasn't only um, there for uh, two minutes or three minutes, how I do it. But, you know, actually it was cooked longer, I guess. And this was very bitter. So I, I have never tasted anything like this in Germany. So in, in, in Asia, I think they are more bitter, like you say. And, you know, we don't really have this enough food today, I think. Um, this is really hard to find. So, yeah, I also enjoyed that, but I don't get this here, actually. Nice. And while we're talking food, do you have a favorite food you want to talk to us about? Well, not really. I love fish. Um, you know, that's my favorite dish. If I get this, like a nice um, piece of, of lax or something, or, or how it is called. And, you know, I would always take this first in the restaurant if I go there. Um, also on pizza, amazing. I love that. 
And, you know, everything with garlic is just fine. You know, I'm, I'm working right now and my, my colleagues, you know, they, they ask me every day, oh, you, you ate some garlic yesterday, right? And, you know, I have it like in every meal. So um, I'm really into that. Nice. How did you come to garlic? Like, what was the path to discover garlic? Oh, it's kind of funny because it's kind of a, a love-hate relationship because a couple of years ago, you know, um, you know, I wanted to talk about this as well. But when I was, you know, a lot of resistance, a lot of fear still, um, it actually had a lot of effect on my um, on my digestion and I couldn't eat lots of stuff. Um, you know, you had Alex here the last time in the podcast and I really enjoyed his story because it kind of relates to mine. And I couldn't eat, um, for example, you know, um, gluten. So, um, you know, everything with bread, um, not good. Also milk. And for me, a couple of other things, like everything that was kind of really spicy. So spicy things like garlic and, um, you know, other other um, flavors, you know, they wouldn't really serve me good. And so I wouldn't really eat garlic for maybe three years or something. So in every meal, you know, I would watch it carefully that I don't really eat a lot of garlic. And, um, you know, actually, since I, I've gotten better, um, I love eating garlic and I love to have it in every single meal. Nice. I'm a big fan of garlic as well. I have fun around it uh, because a friend of mine had some kind of um, event where he went to a, a shaman or maybe it was like a Chinese healer or something. And uh, this friend of mine, he's, he's a musician, and then he went to this spiritual thing. And this guy just looked at him and said, you know what you should do? Just eat like one uh, thing of garlic. I don't know how it has it called, but just like one piece of those, break them off and eat it like whole before you go to sleep every night. So he did this for a while. I know that garlic is supposed to like drop your blood pressure. And sometimes like when I eat too much garlic, um, I really want to sleep after my meals. Uh, <laughs> this is something that happens. But for him, he, he like had like this full garlic. And um, I, I remember at some point he told me the story how he went to his brother's room to ask him something for tomorrow. Can I bring this or can I take it? And then he opened his mouth and <laughs> this garlic stench came out, just destroying the whole room. And the brother would just like send him out of there. Oh man, that's a funny story because like, it's really like that. Like the master just told him like, just, you know, you, I see you, you know, really just eat a like garlic every day. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, and he did it, I think, for six months or for a whole year, something like that. Then he got enlightened, right? Um, I, I I cannot attest to that. I don't think that garlic makes you. Okay, hmm? we have to ask Julian about this because this could be the secret, you know. Don't do meditations and don't do this inner work, but just eat a garlic and everything will, you know, transform actually. Mm, yeah, sure. You have this kind of energy, you know, people are just drawing their attention to you. So that's a real game changer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Part, part of the charisma. just <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, what the interesting part is, uh, actually, th that there is so much knowledge that we have just lost over the time, right? People used to say, eat this grass or um, yeah, eat that garlic, or go take like a cold plunge there to cure your whatever. 
uh, and we lost a lot of that. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I, I totally agree because for some issues, right, you know, somebody would just have said, I don't know, hundreds of thousand years ago, you have to take, I don't know, kind of this tea and, you know, this will change your condition maybe a little bit. But, you know, I just um, came from my girlfriend today, you know, and she um, actually she has rheuma. I don't know if you know that or if you tell if you say it like this, but, you know, this is a chronicle thing for her. And, um, you know, she has to take this really um, this really intense uh, med uh, this really intense medicine. And, you know, this is really pushing down her immune system and she kind of get, um, you know, bad skin because of that and you know she's going to the doctor and he's telling her you know you have to take this other pill with um you know which even puts your immune system down even more and you know i'm kind of i think you know that's kind of crazy you know why don't we try something like i don't know like a tea or i don't know but i'm not an expert in this so you know i would really like to know the solutions and maybe ask somebody who's like i don't know yeah we have like uh jonathan he's a pharmacist so oh, really? he would be an address with these questions. Yeah, I had a really lovely talk with him uh, last Friday. So it's almost a week, but I haven't published it yet. But uh, mm. he actually happens to be a pharmacist. And uh, what was completely amazing for me is um, I asked him what was like his main takeaway from his pharmacy studies. And can you guess what he said? <laughs> I don't know. Um like every farm, I don't know, maybe everything has opposite, you know, so maybe, you know, if you cure one thing, you will have a problem in another area, maybe something like that, I would guess. Yeah, you, you'd expect that, right? He, he would be mm. like uh, that or maybe something around medication or maybe around development or maybe something around how you can substitute. Well, it blew my mind what he told me. He told me his biggest takeaway from his studies to become a pharmacist was to learn how to talk to people. <laughs> okay, crazy. So kind Can of the marketing part. Yeah, it's really? not even marketing. It's really just like going to them and listening, basically what they mm. want to say and what has been told to them. Because oftentimes um, he said that they're kind of the safety net between the doctors and the medication. So mm. patients would come like with doctor's order or whatever and then say, we need this medication. And then he, then he would kind of talk to them a little bit more if they maybe have some allergies or if they're taking other medication and see if there maybe isn't like a better fit for them or just listen to like what their real problem is. Not that the doctors wouldn't be listening, but more um, in a way that sometimes there's so much to do and um, so much patience to see that certain things fall through the crack. And mm. this is just like, uh, again, an instance to make sure that everything is prescribed properly and, and people are getting what they actually need. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm excited for this podcast because I was like, hey, isn't it out already? Because I haven't seen it. I think I watched still now all of the podcasts and they were amazing. So I really enjoy kind of the dynamic in them and kind of just, you know, getting to know the people that are in the group and you kind of know their posts a little bit, but they're so interesting in person as well. Um, so that's a very cool project what you're doing right now. Hey, thank you so much. I mean, you guys are 
insanely cool and you have such different and colorful paths um, that you have come till now and uh, I mean it will develop much more further I'm, I'm just excited to learn everything about you so um, yeah I was curious about that you talking around your past where you had so much resistance that it was even affecting your bodily functions what's up with that man Oh yeah, that's a long story for itself. Um, so I can kind of tell you, you know, how um, you know I came to this, how I came to this program, how it helped me. Um, so you know, yeah. this is kind of long. yeah, I can start with that. Um, so I don't know. I, I will start. You know, actually, I'm living in Leipzig right now. I mean, you visited already. Um, you know, it's a city in eastern Germany. So we have Bach here. You know, we have great music. Um, and actually, I was born here. You know, I was born here in 1999. And actually, my parents, they came here for studying. So they came from um, the Black Forest, so near Stuttgart. So it is like in the southwest of Germany. Um, so you might notice because it's, you know, just above Switzerland. And so they came from there and, you know, they studied here and then I was born and we were moving back, moving kind of, um, you know, from my grandparents, which were living in the Black Forest to Stuttgart, back to them. And it was kind of a kind of a journey um, before I was maybe three or four and so i was growing up in stuttgart and you know i had it good there um you know my parents really worked their asses off to really get me in a private school so you know i had you know a very good start for me and i don't know it was a good place to grow up you know we have um, a lot of industry down there you know there's porsche there's daimler so mercedes-benz so all the big companies down there and, you know, I had kind of a good childhood, I would say. And like I said, I went to a private school, you know, I had everything and I was kind of a good student. And, and you know, I was re really good to get along with, I think. So I never had problems finding any friends, you know, even though we moved a lot. But I never had this problem, you know, of not finding friends. I don't know, being picked on or something like that. You know, it has never happened to me. So, you know, I was kind of a people pleaser, I would say, um, kind of me. And, you know, this was really how I grew up. And, um, you know, when I went to school and when I met, went to middle school, high school, um, you know, I had lots of friends. Um, I also got the captain of the football team, which was very important to me at the time. Right. Um, yeah. Nice. So surface, you know, everything was good. I had like a friends, everything. And, you know, underneath, you know, there is always some some trauma that comes with with growing up or some some fears, maybe some shame um, that I took on. Um, but, you know, it all looked good. And, you know, this kind of bubbled up for me um, when I was maybe around 13, 14. Um, because, you know, when I went to the school, um, we always had like every Monday and Friday, we had kind of, you know, this coming together with all the students from the school. And, um, you know, I really liked presenting things. I really liked speaking on stage. And, um, you know, the teachers sometimes came to me and they said, hey, Nick, do you want to, um, you know, make this announcement? You want to read this and stuff? And um, so I was like, yeah, because I, I love the validation. You know, I kind of loved standing up there, um, you know, and everybody watching me kind of. Um, I loved that. And so I was doing this and, um, you know, this one day I had to speak in front of the whole school. And I was going up there and I was pretty nervous, but, you know, I always managed to um, don't make it look like that and make it look good. And actually this day, you know, I was very nervous. And um, what I what I found out afterwards that I was really sweating 
and that I had kind of a sweaty ass. So <laughs> I don't know if you say it like this, um, but you know, the shorts I wore this day, they were kind of this yeah. light brown and, you know, me sweating a little bit, you know, you really saw this and, um, you know, I kind of made my speech and I went back to my place and, you know, everything right. I was happy, you know, I kind of get the validation from the other people and, um, you know, then, you know, the event is over and there's a girl coming to me and I think, oh, I don't know, I think she's pretty attractive. So she thinks probably I'm very cool. And she was like, hey, you know, just that, you know, you know, we all kind of thought that you maybe shit your pants or something. And I was like, oh, no, you know, and I was like, oh, I was oof. And, you know, this was really, really embarrassing for me. And, you know, I really went to school that day, really, or I went to the classroom very ashamed, you know, kind of, you know, shoulders down, kind of tr not trying to make any any waves or something. And, you know, like Julian also says that, you know, when you're a kid, you know, really the class, the classroom is the world, the classroom is everything. And for me, it was like, you know, this was kind of my reality crash, you know, I kind of, um, you know, I was really exposed. And this was something that really, you know, um, I was really scared about. And I was really, yeah, kind of um, afraid for other people to, I don't know, pick on me for that or find out. And actually, something like this never happened. So the first day, maybe, you know, a couple of my friends, we talked about it, we kind of joked about it. I kind of shaked it off. And this wasn't a problem for me. And actually, nobody ever, you know, bullied me for this or anything and it was never a topic afterwards. But for me, you know, this was really something that kind of, you know, colored my experience of school. And from this day forward, you know, yeah. I remember I was really being hyper you know, hyperactive in my mind to really look out for threats, you know, really look out for people that might talk about me. And, you know, it was kind of the state of paranoia. And there were these sensations, there were these emotions, if you want to, um, you know, that haven't been resolved. And, you know, me as a as a 14, 15 year old, you know, you know, the, the way I viewed it, I was experiencing these sensations. And, you know, I, I think kind of the way we get conditioned is really to push it away, you know, and to not be aware of it because you know i was afraid of them and so this was kind of my tactic like going to th through, through school for the rest of you know time of school to really push these sensations away that i was associate was associating with it and you know this was really coloring my experience and you know really from there on i uh, remember you know really being tired in my uh, in my stomach especially and also kind of in my chest and, you know, this this really stayed with me. And I was always, like I said, I was always resisting it, pushing it down there. And, you know, I'm pretty sure because like maybe half a year after this, you know, this was really when I um, kind of got these, you know, kind of bodily um, problems. And also, you know, I couldn't eat anything. I got I was sensitive um, to gluten and a lot more things. And it progressively basically got worse because, you know, the whole time, I got triggered and I was pushing it down there again. And, you know, this is also what we say in Transformation Mastery, whatever you resist, persist. So it's kind of funny how this relates to that. And, um, you know, me at the time, I was really stubborn. I was just a, a teenage boy and I was pushing this always down. And so it got worse and worse really progressively, you know. And for me, you know, it reached a point where I don't know, I, I graduated at some time uh, at some age and then I went to business school after this for three years. And, you know, really, this was kind of hellish for me. You know, every day 
I kind of developed also this this crazy fears of just you know people looking at me and you know what do they think um, I was really as really crazy really afraid of people you know just sitting in a room with people was uh, pretty scary at some point for me and yeah you know I re was really fighting through that and for me it kind of reached a tipping point when I was 19 and when I was also graduating this and you know then I was like you know fuck this place fuck uh, Stuttgart you know I was always unhappy here um, so you know I want to travel I kind of want to get out of here and I kind of booked this one-way ticket like I said to Vietnam um, I was traveling to this place. I don't know why, because they had rice probably, because this was kind of the only thing that I could really eat good that, you know, wouldn't cause any problems. And it was like, you know, they have rice. Um, I have a friend from there, so let's go there. And I booked, I booked this one-way ticket there. And, um, you know, I landed there. And the first week probably was really good because there were all of these new things, you know, my subconscious were, you know, not really adapted to it and I couldn't, um, you know, I could push away all of these sensations. Um, but actually, I think after a week or, you know, uh, maybe two weeks, all of these sensations, they would come back. I would feel scared once more, scared of people. And, um, you know, this was really coming back up for me. And, um, you know, I just went to another place. But it's kind of this thing that we also say in Transformation Mastery. Um, that you know wherever you go there you are and this was really the thing for me and you know I was really stubborn I didn't sleep in in hostels then because I was really scared um, you know of of being there and I was kind of booking a hotel for myself for I think three nights and I kind of wanted to regroup for myself and you know I remember having this um, this bus trip for the next day so the day afterwards I had a bus trip and uh, you know i was really scared about that you know worrying uh all in my head and you know this was really kind of a sketchy hotel room as well because this was i don't know weird weird room weird energy the owner was kind of sketchy and the bed was really bad um, so you know really hard bed and so I, I remember this night you know i couldn't go to sleep because i was so worried you know i was kind of trying to distract myself with videos and stuff and when I wanted to get up to get to the bus, you know, I couldn't do it anymore because I was getting so tense in my in my stomach. And, you know, this was really kind of um, kind of a turning point for me because, you know, me not being able to get up and I'm on a kind of a another city on the other side of the world. Um, this was really scary to me. And I really had to um, take two days from there on to really recharge, you know, even being able to to get back up and to be okay and you know really from there on i was like okay like i can't just run away from these sensations you know i kind of have to get to the cause and you know then i went back to to germany i made it with a with a flight back and i think i lost like eight kilograms or so in this two weeks because you know i was so so drained from it and i just couldn't eat the whole time and oh my yeah God. yeah this was crazy and I wasn't wasn't fat as well, so you know this wasn't an issue for me. And um, yeah, from there on, you know, it took some time to really discover Julian's content. Um, but really, then I discovered his content, and it was really landing with me. And so I did, you know. And how did you discover it? Sorry. Uh, how did you discover it? 
Oh, I think I, I watched the, the content of him, um, you know, already when I was when he was doing other videos and, you know, then he kind of translated trans transformation mastery and um, yeah, I didn't, I don't know, but I kind of came into this program of his, the, the 20 boy, 21 day fear challenge or something. No fear challenge, I think it was. And it was like a challenge where, you know, there was also an interactive Facebook group and there were 21 days and you did like all of these challenges, you know, doing some um, looking back on your past and also doing some live videos to trigger yourself. And this was really how I discovered his content. And, you know, these these challenges, they were so, so threatening to me because, you know, you had to really show yourself in the group. You had to share your biggest fears with them and stuff like that. And, you know, every time before these challenges, I was like so tense, you know, so oh, I can't show that I can't can't say that. And when I actually did, you know, it was so freeing. And, um, you know, so I came about his, his program and, you know, really from there on, I kind of took my path and also, you know, had some other teachings, you know, this was really just getting it started. And, um, you know, now you're here or now we are here and I am here um, on the certification program. So I think that's kind of cool how that goes, right? Yeah, definitely amazing. And I could relate to so many aspects um, that you told in your story, uh, how, you grew up, how um, everything happened. I also remember distinctly having a time where I was super resistant to a lot of things and trying to stuff it all away and push it all down. And you're a great guest for this podcast, by the way, because you were just talking and then I would think of a question that I wanted to ask and then you would just answer it without me even having to ask. So I just enjoyed like sitting here and, and just mentally having this connection with you all the way to Leipzig oh, um, no. and just you feeling my questions and answering them right away. So great stuff. Cool. I wasn't sure actually if you didn't, if you ask a question already because you kind of lagged from me and I was like, ah, you know, I, I just keep talking, <laughs> but nice, you know, that's cool. <laughs> I have one question though that I would like to ask and yeah. this question is regarding this girl when she came up to you and told you that your pants looked like you shit yourself. Why did she do that? Like, what was she thinking? What do you think? Ooh, I don't know. I think she was, um, I think she, she saw that it was kind of embarrassing, you know, in that context. And I think that she, you know, she didn't want me to, to be clueless about it. Um, because maybe she thought, hey, maybe, you know, the people will pick on him or something or, you know, he don't even know about it. Um, but that's a good question. I never thought about it. Or maybe she had some sympathy. That's what I think, really. You know, I think she wasn't really um, trying to trying to insult me or something, but she just was kind of sympathetic and wanted to, um, you know, make that clear for me. So she was sympathetic and told you you, you shit your pants, like... <laughs> <laughs> maybe the work <laughs> yeah hey i don't remember the situation right but i i don't remember it like being very very offensive or anything you know i i remember being scared afterwards um but i don't think she she had a bad bad will you know but um you know can't really really picture it um completely yeah 
I'm not sure really. Yeah, I, I think that a lot when it happens, like with children or with young adults, um, I remember that Henry Cavill, like the guy who plays Superman and The Witcher and whatever he's doing, he's, uh, I think he's the sexiest man alive or something like that. He, he just like got his super awards and everybody mm. likes him. And he talked about how kids picked on him in high school. And I remember him saying, well, I don't hold it against them. They did that. It's just like children and they're trying to experiment socially or push boundaries and see how people react. Um, and like w when you were talking, I was thinking she probably liked you and didn't know how to start a communication with you so she said something that would be kind of special that no one else would say but you you said she came up to you right and it wasn't something to embarrass you so yeah. it's like crazy perspective how, if how you took it and how maybe she intended it poor that's a crazy idea man that she wanted to have my attention i mean that's possible but man you just changed my whole view on this because actually you know This could all have been played out in my head. And actually, <laughs> I don't know, maybe nobody laughed at me or something like that. And now I'm... I'm yeah, because like, you said that, right? No mm. one made fun of you for that. And everybody was like completely normal with it. It was just your head, right? And it's crazy, man. You know, this is kind of mind-blowing because you're just saying that, you know, this was me, this would mean if I have interpreted this situation wrong, um, but actually, I think I didn't interpret it wrong because um, I think, you know, I talked about with with a friend of mine, you know, later on. Um, mm -hmm. But actually, you know, this is kind of also what we say, uh, what we have in the program, you know, really building your foundation on the wrong assumption, you know. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. from my perspective. Would have been like <laughs> it could have been like oh these people all laughed at laughed at me and you know I was so embarrassed and actually you know maybe this wasn't the case so um, yeah yeah and yeah. I mean you could take it like either day like they're gonna go home and talk about me because this was so funny right so mm. I I made their day <laughs> yeah yeah. It really depends on which headspace you're in, yeah, right? Which which mindset also a little bit like, you know, this could be a funny story. And today I, I tell it as a funny story, you know. I sometimes introduce myself like this in groups or something, like like a group setting or something. I introduce myself with that. But, um, you know, back then it was really dangerous for me and it was really kind of this life-threatening situation. So it really depends on the on the situation that we're in, right? Definitely. Like, and it's also amazing how all this stuff that's in the subconscious is running us. Even if we know that we have the subconscious and that there is a lot of stuff there and we know how to behave properly and we know how to be constructive in talking. And, and um, I was just talking to Alex uh, a couple of days ago and i was telling him about a situation that i had very recently with my girlfriend I was traveling in southeast asia and she was gone for like four or five weeks and at one point we got into an argument with texting and i was just texting like crazy and i just saw trying to push the boundary um 
So just offer like many different possibilities for her to say something so I could get angry at her. <laughs> and I did this for, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And she hasn't really said anything that would like make me super angry. And that was even more frustrating. So I was like pushing it even more. And at some point <laughs> I just realized that I was doing that. Like that there was a part <laughs> of me, like from behind and he was like, just push, push and try to try to make, like create the situation and make it happen. Yeah. And when I realized that I just started laughing, like my my state changed from from really this frustration and anger into just bursting out laughing, like, oh my God, what have I been doing? And then I wrote it also to her, like, I just realized I'm I'm been completely uh, crazy. And I, there's just like this part of me that was trying to spark this argument. And I'm so sorry, I'm laughing right now. And she's like, are you joking? Is this real? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny. It's funny that you that you try to, you know, you try to get this argument by by default and then you realize, oh, man, I don't have to have that. And, you know, you said something good because, um, you know, we always life tries to give us these, you know, these situations that we can really face these things. And for me also, it was so unnecessary, you know. I just had this one situation and, you know, I was so stubborn. I was pushing it down so much, you know, my whole teenage years. And, you know, it got so big eventually, you know, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And at some point I was really like, you know, I, I can't get around it. You know, I just have to face it, man. And and I think most mm -hmm. things, and this is so dangerous because most things, you know, they are, they are so little right now, you know, because there will be those patterns in our lives where, you know, we I'm, we try to fuck up a relationship or something and we can't even see it because it isn't big enough already, right? And uh, yeah, that's kind yeah. of a scary thought right now. <laughs> well, kind of, but I think also over the years you get super attuned with it. Like, I think I developed a skill where I could really tell you a lot about a person in a very short time. Like, I... I mm. I'd say maybe I'm 95% right most of the time, but I can like really see people and and just say something about their history or about their personality type or how they would react. Like I can put them in these constellations uh, just by very small things that they're doing. And it's actually very easy to say if you see someone um, using a certain type of vocabulary or someone um using a having a, some type of body language you can really tell where they're at what their value system is sometimes um you can't really tell what's down there we also have this in a program like everyone has their own backstories but you can also see some certain patterns of trauma emerging right so um, if somebody's let's say socially anxious uh you can tell that there is something that is making them behave in a social anxious way you can't really tell what it is but you know where i'm going with this and this is also what i love most about the method that julian is presenting because it's so simple and yet so universal because you can go and find out any issue that's going on beneath um, and it doesn't matter if it's anger related or anxiety and it's not like specific mm -hmm. Yeah. anger related advice because I have had anger issues in the 
podcast. I was grinding a lot of my teeth, like maybe for almost 10 years. I think when I got 17 or 18, I started doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And like all the classic anger therapies didn't really help. Like mm-hmm. at some point I even broke my hand because I was, um, I thought that I will be old enough and mature enough so I would let out my anger at that moment where I felt it. So I punched the sofa that you see behind me. Mm. And I punched it in the cushion, but below the cushion was like a wooden thing. So I punched it so hard that I actually got a boxer's fracture in my <laughs> hand from, from that one. Uh, yeah, that's kind of funny. My my mother also did that. You know, she she um, hit a wall um, because she was very angry, and you know, she her hand bro- broke at some point. And <laughs> you know, that's really kind of stupid if you think about it. But you know, you want to let go of the anger. I, I understand that. But I think that's interesting. Have you um, were you able with Julian's method to to let go of your anger? You think or parts yeah, of yeah, absolutely. It, definitely and i mean like i already did that at the point where where i punched the sofa and the reason i punched the sofa was because i was thinking you know i'm an adult and i'm responsible and now i'm feeling this emotion so i want it to just let it come up at this moment since i'm already feeling it so fully accepting it but i'll do it in a safe space so i'll punch something that's not hard that's not a wall like i used to do that when i was 16 or 17 or 18 just like punching walls and doors and stuff um mm. and i was yeah i will punch like this soft cushion here and nothing bad will happen mm. and yet um i managed to break my hand so let's maybe find the better solution to like have a completely that's what I what I feel like the longer I do releases the longer I meditate the longer I'm having this new kind of mindset my body is becoming more and more like water so whatever comes in it just like kind of floats out and it doesn't have like these huge build-ups or explosions I try to really minimize any kind of resistance or pushing things off or whatever mm. cool what's your experience like with with uh, delayed resistance, you mean delayed uh, with with any kind of emotion. Um, I think I had an experience today because actually, you know, I was um, not meditating for two or three days now, and I was kind of stressed because of my job. And I was kind of deciding consciously, you know, the couple at last two days that, you know, maybe I, I just want to push it away right now. And because I, I don't work, you know, so long anymore with these colleagues and it's just this week and I can kind of push it down, you know, for, for now. Mm-hmm. And actually I thought kind of a part of thought, thought for me, uh, or I thought a part of me thought that I wouldn't, um, you know, um, that I, this wouldn't store up really. And another part of me, you know, actually knew, of course, that it was store up. And actually, you know, I was meditating just an hour before or something. And I was feeling also, you know, anger inside of me. And I kind of a little bit let out this anger. So, you know, I was kind of moving a little bit, uh, really concentrating on it, pushing it out a little bit. And I realized that under the, the anger, you know, there was some hurt. And, you know, it actually came from a situation that um, that I had with my girlfriend, you know, a couple of days ago. 
uh, maybe three days ago. And from this standpoint or from this situation on, you know, I felt kind of hurt, kind of felt kind of sad. And, you know, then I was kind of rationalizing why I could, um, you know, kind of, you know, put this away for, for two days or three days. And, you know, I just let it out like an hour before. And, you know, now I'm really free. I feel like, you know, now my perception has changed. You know? um, so I think kind of this, this, these emotions that we push away, you know, they kind of get, you know, just stored up down there. And, um, you know, they kind of, and kind of the anger puts above it and, um, you know, they are stored down there. So I think it's kind of a, kind of a mechanism of the body or of the mind to really protect that from coming up. Absolutely. Like, uh, and Julian also talks about these layers of resistance. So sometimes you cannot even get directly to, to the first thing, but you have like to open up the first layer, then the second, then the third, and then the actual thing will come out. Um, I found that super interesting. There's some people talking, you know, about the butterfly uh, effect that if you like have a butterfly in, in um, I don't know, Shanghai uh, and it flaps its wings, uh, it could cause a hurricane somewhere in the US. So it's mm. just like this small thing and then it creates like this chain reaction. And I found that often to be also the case with the emotions because we, we like turn on our minds so there is maybe hurt, right? But then the mind would say, no, I, I'm not hurt. I, I want to fight back. So you maybe have anger. And then you notice that you're angry and maybe you don't want to be angry. So you feel ashamed that you were angry. So you have shame as the next layer, but shame is like not a, uh, not a great emotion. So um, maybe you feel regret <laughs> and you now feel shame. So there's the next layer. And then... Uh, and every, everything is then resisted, right? Because you don't want to feel that, you don't want to feel that. And so there's like these layers that you build up. And sometimes I even noticed that this is how triggers work. It wouldn't just be like one emotion uh, bringing me from A to B, like if a trigger happened, but it could be like a range of many different things. And this is also what often I found happens with people like they're in a state. You could even have like three or four different triggers and they all bring you to the same state, which maybe mm. would be anger, maybe would be righteousness, pride, maybe would be uh, fear. I don't know. Like, for example, what's happening in the media, everything is designed to trigger so you have the fear. There's mm. very little um, things that you will say, oh, someone built a new school. Wow, amazing. Or we have, sometimes they put like these beautiful pictures from the telescope uh, that, that came in, but like most of the media is just fear trigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you said, it's all putting up resistance about it, you know, and um, and I think the main thing that I kind of realized from Julian's program or going through the certification, um, before I thought that I have to really let go of emotions, you know, that I don't want to feel certain emotions and that they are bad and they have to go and I kind of have to let them go. And actually, I think this is something or now I think this is something that happens naturally. And um, actually, the problems is just the resistance and the attachment, right? Because some emotions you have, you don't really allow yourself to feel them or I don't allow myself to feel them because I put immediately resistance on them. 
and other emotions or other states, you know, like, um, I don't know, like happiness or uh, happiness, not a state, but it can be a state or love or something. It can this, yeah, I'm really attached towards them. And, um, you know, this is kind of what is really bringing me out of balance, you know, this resistance and attachment at the same time. And, you know, sometimes now what I do or when I realize, oh, I'm triggered a little bit and, you know, normally I would say, oh, I don't want to feel that now, you know, push it away. Um, I'm just like, you know, what if I would feel like for like this, if I feel like this in my body for the rest of my life, you know, could I be okay with that? And, you know, immediately when I think like this and I think like, okay, oh, I'm probably going to feel like this for the rest of my life, you know, this is it. Then probably it shifted or at the same time it shifted and it's like, oh, but it's good. Hey, I feel lighter now. That's great. And And suddenly, you know, I get in a good state if you want to and I think this is kind of a hack that I wow. just realized with this program you know just this you if I feel like this like the rest of my life you know that's that's like it so let's let's deal with it and it's like immediately I'm like oh I feel better I feel good <laughs> you know oh my god that's that's great I had just an experience like that this morning so uh, I told you yesterday that I was a little bit sick so I didn't do the cold shower for a long time, but I was more meditating. And then yesterday I went into the shower and it was a completely different experience. Like the, the cold water just came, but I was completely in my body, like feeling the cold, embracing the cold, but zero resistance. I could like breathe the normal cycles through it. Like I think the pulse stayed normal. It was absolutely amazing, absolutely great. And so today, I went into the shower expecting like the same result. And as soon <laughs> as the water hit me, I was like, <gasps> so, okay, okay, let's, let's try to um, breathe. And then I would be like breathing, but it's, it would still, wouldn't work. It wasn't as regular. And then I would get angry around that. Uh, so <laughs> come on, man, you can do it. Like, you did it yesterday. And, and I would, I could literally feel the resistance against the cold, like just, um, it wasn't maybe even the muscles, but I just like an inner resistance toward it. And I was like, okay, I I don't think I'm able to get rid of this resistance right now. So yeah, let's embrace it. Let's just say it's cool to be here in the shower with all this resistance against the cold water. And guess what <laughs> happened? Yeah. It started getting away and suddenly it became completely all right. But it's just about this. Uh, it's so crazy, not not wanting to feel something like exactly the the resistance just amplifies itself, and it makes the situation much worse. Like the state <laughs> actually gets amplified just by resisting. And also in meditations, I have the opposite. Like in some meditations, especially like the letting go one, this is my absolute favorite because at the end it gets so light and 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 then. Um, you can like drift off in, in these heights, right? It's amazing. And I noticed like from the second time when I started doing it, because I thought it was so amazing, I already had an expectance, like this uh, outcome expectancy, how it will feel like. And it didn't happen. So like, everything good that came out of it the first time I expected the second time to happen, didn't come. Uh, and then I realized like mid meditation that I was attached to that feeling mm -hmm. that I had the last time and then I let go 
and experienced a completely different feeling, which was also great. Allowed me to actually have an experience without being attached to a certain kind of experience mm-hmm. that I liked and that I was going for. Yeah, cool. Hey, this attachment is so tricky, right? Because, you know, you think you just have to get rid of resistance. But actually, the the, the attachment does, does the same thing, kind of, you know. So I, I always have this as well when I'm, you know, people kind of, um, you know, they give me applause or something. And, you know, they say I'm doing something really good. Then I'm immediately I can feel how I'm attached towards it, you know, and I want it to, to happen again. And I might do the same thing. And suddenly, you know, they won't be that interested into me. And actually, I'm I'm already ex- expecting you to notice this, um, you know, this pat on the shoulder or something. And oh, you did great again. But actually, you know, just because I have all of this attachment, it doesn't work out this way like it did the first time. And I think that's a really tricky thing because before, you know, this work, I never thought about this that res- uh, res- that attachment is also so big and that it also colors your experience so much with that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, well, with resistance, maybe we get like accustomed to it because a lot of uh, the bad stuff that we push down and that runs us, right, that's resistance. But as you say, attachment can be just as uh, important to let go because it doesn't feel like resistance. It Mm. it starts... Um, that one would notice uh, colors your perception, but it does. Um, it's just I find it to be much more subtle, and I mm. find it to be much more like what's the difference between competency and attention? Go to a want to create this new amazing project. What's outcome expectancy and what's the intention? Right. This is mm. a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one for sure. And you have to really be a Jedi master at this, right? To to really be be able to, you know, really make difference between of that. Because yeah, I, I found out or you know, I think you really want to want to have this um this intention um to, to let go and to do something, but you don't want to really expect it so much, right? Because this would ruin it once more. And it's kind of a paradox how most of these things work in, in transformation mastery um yeah but what have been your your favorite things so far or with the with the certification oh my god you guys like <laughs> you guys are so amazing Just getting to know you and getting to know every single one of you personally uh, and i i mean i met you real life i, I um it's like just this vibe that's it's coming out and that's resulting and just so much knowledge and experience and also like this shared philosophy i think this is what makes me super excited every time i see one of you guys i'm like you know these young dogs where they're just like happy to see someone <laughs> so <laughs> i feel like that. i was uh, I think two days ago I came home. I was so drained, and I really didn't want to do anything. Just yeah. like and uh, just maybe watch some Netflix or something. And then um, uh, I was I was actually chatting 
with some from the group then called me and then we ended up talking like for two hours or something awesome fully recharged after that and they had another call for also one hour and then i think it was already 11 in the evening and i was like still ready to go <laughs> like from yeah. from this completely discharged person at, at seven eight o'clock uh, i'm gonna fall asleep to this huge energy boost like i think the power of the group this is like the biggest one for me yeah yeah i agree That's and you. sometimes it's yeah, I agree with what you said with the power of the group. And I think some, sometimes that's even too much, right? Because sometimes, you know, if we're having a, like a really good call or sometimes I did this tag teams with Brandon and we were just going back and forth and, you know, really improvising and having fun. And, you know, I found after these sessions, sometimes, you know, I really had problems with going to sleep because, you know, I was so, my mind was so turned on and I was like, just like on a drug, you know, with, um, having great conversations cool yeah. people to chat with and it's like you know you're having all of these ideas and all of these cool plans and um like sometimes then i i just you know wondered that i couldn't sleep uh, for i don't know till 3 a.m or something because i was so so hyped up you know so i think this is also do you think this is a, a kind of attachment um if you are like this this hyper hyper happy do you think it's attachment? I was thinking about that because it's kind of like, you know, I was, I'm projecting the future and I'm like, oh man, you know, this is going to be cool and this plan and this. And um, I don't know if it's, you know, maybe I should be able to let go of this and just go to sleep, you know, really happily. <laughs> you know, I thought about it like this, but I, I wasn't sure till now. Well, you couldn't because we still don't have like sleeping masks but if we had them maybe it would be like an attachment thing mm. right so um no i i i'm just kidding here it, it's a very interesting thing that you mentioned because i never thought about it in this way uh i don't know how much is like future projection but i oftentimes get into these exalted states where i'm just like super into a project and then just like working it and working it and i mean you could say it's it's projecting into the future but i think it's a lot of um for me personally when i'm doing stuff or when i'm preparing it i'm working at it like right at that moment and of course there's the future how it will look like how it will feel like uh and you could argue that Eckhart Tolle says, no, you should live in the now. But yeah. maybe isn't this also the now? Like when you when you work towards something, like when you're preparing uh, towards something. I mean, he wrote his book. He also wrote it in the now, but he knew what he was writing before and what he's going to write in the future. So I would argue that especially with... Um, positive emotions and positive vibes i don't think that you get them with attachment like when you mm -hmm. read a lot of energy and i think the acceptance of yourself to be able to just go to sleep afterwards because you think you should sleep or you need the sleep maybe that's some kind of attachment mm. 
oh yeah, these are kind of the worst nights, right? When you when you try to go to sleep and you try to force yourself to sleep and it just doesn't work. I, I have them, you would know, very few times, but I know from friends that they have them very regularly. And, um, you know, this is like the worst night that you can have probably. Yeah, I, I have them when I when I'm overworked. When I have stuff to do and somehow like my builds up, um, and I actually had like one one of these yesterday. It was just mm. couldn't fall asleep. Um, I came from a from a choir rehearsal, and what's funny is also that because I have to be present there and and be leading like the full rehearsal for almost two hours. Mm. Um, I'm super in the moment, and I'm like in this flow state. And it's such a great state. And then afterwards, I'm still awake. So um, it it takes me a while, just like naturally for the body to to uh. like calm down. I have it like much faster now than it used to be before. Mm. Um, still, I, I feel very elevated after it because I think it's just normal to not just do like crazy jumps, but to have some kind of wave. And what I also found was uh, that I think inspiration and generally motivation are much stronger than we think from a biological perspective. Because I remember maybe when I was my early 20s, um, I don't know how, how you do your schedule, but I would just get like a rigorous schedule at getting up at 6.30 and then doing breakfast at 7, living at 7.30, um, stuff like that. And by 11, I'm in my bed. I am, everything's turned off so I can sleep. Um, just have that. And I was starting to burn out because mm. I was just like my day with stuff and doing so much. And I remember like one night I was just like, ah. Oh, I just can't do it, man. I just, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I saw and watched some of American greatest films. I think there's like a top 100 uh, of greatest films ever made. And I think I watched for Casablanca and then I watched Citizen Kane after. These are like super old, super long. And I watched maybe till two or three in the morning. And I was really enjoying these films. And then I went to sleep and got up at uh, 6.30. Yeah, I think you did something that, that you really wanted to do, right? And you didn't stick to your routine at the time. But actually, you got up at, at 6.30, right? So so you kind of got into your routine there once again. But, um, you know, I can relate to this because, like I said, when I was pushing down so much, like in my also, like also for me in the teenage years, I was very strict on my plan, right? I also had this this plan of going to bed at, uh, at 10 p.m. and then also waking up at 6 and you know doing all these exercises in the morning and um you know i think this this is good for some persons but actually i guess you are kind of a creative person and i guess you also need kind of this change in your routine right and i also you know i also need a, a good routine so you also have this routine of getting up at six you know making breakfast making a meditation um you know the best thing that i can do is also doing a cold shower but I kind of um, did the same thing as you, you know, I was also a little bit sick and then I stopped doing it, but um, you inspired me to get back with it again. And um, yeah, but I think changing this routine up, uh, you did something that was energizing you, right? Because you had a strict routine before and I guess you're kind of a creative person and I can see that in you. And you know, I'm also this way, I would say, 
and for me it's also this way that I have to change up my routine sometimes because you know at some point I also when I push down all of these things all of these emotions I actually also had a very strict plan you know and was doing um, you know a lot of exercises in the morning um, you know I was doing this regularly really every day and um, you know really out of you know really forcing it and you know I think it's really good for me to also have like a a plan when I'm going to bed, when I'm waking up. Um, and also I, I like to do those cold showers, but actually um, I did the same thing as you. I was getting sick and then I wouldn't do them anymore, but I want to start this once more. Um, but actually I love changing up these routines, you know, and adding some something new in it. And, um, you know, I found this is very powerful because otherwise, you know, it's just too boring and I will really be, um, yeah, stressed out by this because this is kind of stress, you know every day doing the same thing um, getting the same routine done and yeah i love you know changing up some things and yeah kind of the green tea is something that, <laughs> that i love to do now and i will probably keep this in for i don't know still a couple of months and then i will probably drink drink cola or something in the morning you know because i also heard this is very healthy <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah this is this will also change your genes probably, but uh, not in a good way, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah but I actually, thing about yeah, I actually started doing, um, you know, this challenge, Bring Sally Up, with uh, doing these push-ups, and it's like a song, and um, you know that? I don't, no? I don't know the challenge. It sounds, uh, oh. sounds very interesting, yeah. yeah. So it's a song, and it's always like, Bring Sally Up bring Sally down and it's like this um, little slow pace you know and you know it's kind of a challenge where you have to do push-up this time so you're going down all the way when they say bring Sally down and when they say bring Sally up you go up and you know I started this with a friend um, you know a couple of weeks ago that we do every day we do this challenge and we try to get through the whole song you know and um, I actually took this in my routine now and this is actually a good one you know I really like that because I was kind of messing up on my sport, you know, and this is really good. I'm feeling way more testosteroneized if you if this is an actually word. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. So talking about that, what was like your craziest experience, craziest takeaway? Okay, my craziest takeaway from the meditations from Julian. Um, phew, can I name one? Yeah. I mean, in doing this meditations and also doing the death meditation, um, you know, this really changed kind of, I, I think it kind of changed the, the way I see the world because like I just said, you know, I, I think it's crazy that we have all of these push down emotions and all of this charge. And actually, you know, just an hour ago when I was, you know, kind of pushing my anger down and kind of my hurt down, I think I had a different view on the world. And I think that's so crazy, you know, how this really plays into it. Um, you know, also by meditating, I don't know, like, I think it's so crazy that, that certain, I think I'm, I'm a physiotherapist, I am a physiotherapist, and I think it's so crazy that many people, you know, they came with this back issues and, you know, this tense muscles, and, you know, it really has to do something with certain kind of emotions, you know, I don't know if you can measure that, I don't know if that's proven, but, you know, it's pretty well known that when you're stressed, you know, you always ask people, you know, maybe if they say, oh, I'm so... Have, um, you know, I'm hurting down up here, you know, all of my muscles are tense, then, you know, it's very usual to say, you know, but I'm stressed, you know, I had a stressful week, um, you know, and 
I think it's so crazy that this also connects, you know, with uh, letting go and that if you let go more, you know, I, I feel that I'm more relaxed. I feel, you know, that also my voice is getting a little deeper. Maybe I can talk louder. And, you know, this was something crazy when I just looked at all the videos of mine. Also, you know, from five, six years ago. And, you know, I, I talked to the camera um, just passively. And, you know, my voice was was so much different back then because my voice was a little more sheltered, you know, maybe a little higher at the end and something like that. And just by letting go, I realized how how more, you know, how wider my chest gets, um, you know, and uh, not in a bodily sense, but actually on a feeling sense. And I can I can talk louder. And I think this is something that is really fascinating to me because it's really something that I can measure and that I can see on a camera, right? Absolutely. I know for a Um, I started with so many classical singers and almost all of them do some kind of training like this, like either meditation or letting go techniques or philosophy is like your body has just to be uh, well connected. Um, you have to be able to use your body um, mm. and it should be able to come into resonance. Mm. And when, when singing, for example, um, and these are exactly the byproducts that you said, like your voice gets more natural, it gets more deep, and also it gets louder because you just allow retention so it can vibrate more, right? And then you can project super easy. So basically letting go is also just the exact path that you need to take to authenticity, to like get to really have your voice right to to have your authentic um yeah everything, everything that's authentic it's just so simple to achieve basically mm -hmm. i love what you say with the singers because i didn't actually know that they you know that you actually would do something like that that they have practices like that but i think it makes sense because you know you also have to let go on the if you're singing and if you're singing in in, in front of a lot of people then I guess, you know, if you have a lot of stirred up anger, maybe you're kind of feeling sick um, or just, you know, sad, then probably, you know, you couldn't really get, like you said, the, the, the volume, you know, of your voice. And I wonder, you know, if you've ever been on a kind of a, um, if you've ever seen a singer and, you know, you can pinpoint, you know, oh, probably he has a bad day or probably he has, has stored something up because actually, you know, he isn't really projecting as much as usual, you know. Did you ever have a, a thought like this or, you know, experience like this? Absolutely, like all the time. And especially like the better you know someone, the easier it is to spot the worst uh, that you could do to a singer is just like throw them off before they go on stage, especially if they're not like centered and know how to do these kind of exercises. Mm -hmm themselves to center themselves you can throw someone off so easily um and i remember of uh certain singers like distinctly who always were in their mind like the mind would be blocking everything and they would use the proper technique but it would just not sound mm. 
if a let's let's say a person who doesn't really think at all if they come on stage and that's like also a, <laughs> it's it's almost a running gag that you would have like singers they think oh my god these these singers oh my god like why don't they think but it's actually how you sing properly because you just like disengage the mind and then you can really project and you can really uh, live what you are doing. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting that singers do that. And actually, I, I think you, you also had Brandon on there and I think you also talked about doing it with goalkeepers and stuff. And I think this is also very interesting because if I think about football players and I played football for a long time, you know, not very high, but I know a couple of people that are actually semi-professionals and I think the pace, you know, everything happens in so fast pace in sports on this level that you have to be able to let go of so of things so quickly, right? Because especially as a goalkeeper, you know, my, my brother played as a goalkeeper for, I think, five years or something. And for him, you know, it was really important. Um, and I was his trainer at the time. And for him, it was really important, you know, to get these... Um, these kind of disappointments out of his head because, you know, as a goalkeeper, you might concede a goal and, you know, everybody's watching you, you know, if you do a mistake, this is costing you something. And I also remember because I've always been a center back, so I don't know if you know football, but, um, you know, as a center back, you're kind of in defense and, you know, probably the last man before your goalkeeper and before somebody else comes, you know, um, to the goal and the striker comes. If they, if they pass you, basically they are, through on goal and I remember also being very very anxious actually in the back of my mind because um, you know I was always fearing missing a ball or something and you know the more I feared it and the more I was resisting it kind of um, the more things like this happened I remember and you know I think really these great defenders and these great goalkeepers you know they have to be so let go of anything they have to be so I don't know, they have to be able to let go of something so fast because otherwise it will bother them, you know, they will kind of get these thoughts in their head, they will, uh, their mind will be activated and otherwise, you know, they they couldn't perform on this level. And I think you can see that with, uh, with players maybe sometimes, you know, that are better with that and other people, they hang on to these um, situations that happened before and, you know, they just start losing and losing from there on. And I think this is a, um, an area where I can kind of see this because I spend a lot of time in this and I think it's everything like this right if you spend a lot of time in a certain field then you know you can see um, if a people if if the person is relaxed or not absolutely absolutely I think it's also one of the main barriers for myself to socializing with other people. I think that I was so tense inside mm. and just like, also you, you described like much before this high, it also relates to like the sports thing. Like when you're, when you're a goalie, you, you can't be like hypervigilant because the mind just doesn't process like consciously enough. So mm. I was like this in social situations and I remember and they were like, why are you so tense? Like, what's going on with you? And I'm like, am I tense? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I can't imagine. What do you say like that I'm tense? 
I don't, I don't even know like how, how tense I was. Mm. But I was always like a very cerebral person and trying to figure out everything with this thing here, um, which also has its merits. I think a lot of our society is built on the mind. Mm. Sure. But it's not really translating to quality of life, is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. But but uh, I had this thought kicking into my mind. Would wouldn't it be funny, you know, if you would um, would be able to meet, you know, your your version of yourself like five years ago or something, and you know he's just running around and you're like now you have all the experience that you have today, and you're coming across this guy or you know whatever person, and like it's just yourself five years ago. And, um, you know, I think I think for most people it wouldn't be or if you don't really um, if you don't really uh, try to improve yourself or you don't try to um, get this content or you think about this content, then probably it would be like a pleasant experience and you would go with him. But actually, you know, sometimes I think hey, if, if this person like me five years ago, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to relate to him because like he like you said, he would so tense uh, would be so tense and certain situations in in um, social situations you know some jokes i couldn't make or so or he would be angry or something so so how would you think uh, what would it be like the experience meeting you like let's say five years ago i don't know like maybe even 10 wouldn't be too much different i would say because i already had a very similar value system then um, I already was on this path. Mm. I wasn't at the place where I'm today, but I knew where I want to go. But maybe let's say 10 years ago or something. Um, I was thinking like also before you ask this question. So I love it how we're vibing. Like I think that I was going to ask or, or a very similar one. Um, I don't know. I think I was extremely... very um, enthusiastic to develop myself to like realize my potential to learn as much as I can but a lot of not wanting to be lazy and wanting to become like special um, so I could feel my self-worth and the more I did it the worse it became like I, I doing a lot of stuff and um, doing it the best as I can and uh, smoking out competition. And I think it was this unbelievably uncomfortable. I wouldn't even compete with other people. I would just like let them know that they have no chance from beginning, you know, mm. um, which is like the ultimate uh, destruction. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good tactic, you know, it's a good to tactic to win. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, it, it, again, it has its merits. Like when you're doing martial arts and you go into the ring, this to your opponent. And I think this is the thing that I saw a lot of other people as opponents instead of colleagues mm -hmm. or instead of like this. Scarcity um, mindset uh, versus a abundance mindset where you could just say hey we're all friends let's learn from each other right mm. and i think if i like if i could teach myself one thing i think 
I would teach myself what the ego is. Like, yeah, I'd try mm. to just explain the concept of the ego because it really hit me. And that started the change. Mm. That's a good one. That's a cool one, yeah. But I mean, uh, before we wrap it up, I, I wanted to say like to wrap it up, I would like to hear from you. What would you say to yourself five years ago or 10 years ago or something? Oh, that's a good one. I wanted to I wanted to get away from this question. So I wanted to wrap I up. Know, this I know. <laughs> you blamed me there. You know, there was some resistance, actually. The techniques. Um, but oh, that's a good one. But I think for me, actually, because I was so resistant, and that you know i wouldn't allow anything to go naturally their way or something um you know i wouldn't really allow life to go their way um you know i would i would actually give me um kind of the advice of um going with this mindset that i just explained before you know just if if you know if my if i would would be put in this body forever and i would just feel what i feel right now forever you know, could I be cool with that? And the answer is yes. And, you know, if I would given me this tip and, um, you know, I would really also have heard to me and I would um, kind of try to um, try to make it happen, I think then, you know, I wouldn't have had to go this far um, and found out about this content. Um, yeah, I think this, you know, really just, you know, taking the sensations as they come and being cool with them staying as well because you know don't want to to uh, don't want to go go away for these sensations i think that's it awesome that's really great takeaway nick i enjoyed our talk today so much we could go on for hours i mean really this is just great <laughs> yeah probably we could do that <laughs> nice okay so we'll just do it next time right yeah so have a good night. I'm going to sleep now. Yeah. You you too. You too, man. Yeah. Bye-bye. See you.